Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some of the things that a shift to remote work has changed that may have gotten less notice than some obvious things like Zoom meeting fails, companies' lack of remote work policies, and other things that were first to be addressed. These are very real, uh, there are very real human moments that are missed when we don't have face-to-face -face interaction. And while some uh, things like this may be harder to quantify, they're no less important uh, when we strive to create great employee experiences. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome a returning guest, uh, John Friedman, author of Managing Sustainability, First Steps to First Class, and Sustainability Manager at WGL. Uh, John, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, Greg. I really appreciate being on twice, and I, I was going to you know, resist the temptation to just pretend to be on mute for the first <laughs> few seconds. We've all gotten used to that. But that's one of those things that happens that's a human moment, and it's the human moments that we lose or are in danger of losing when we go to you know, remote work because you can be remote, the distanced from your teams. And I've got a lot of experience having been a remote worker for several years prior to teleworking one day a week at Washington Gas and now, you know, being full-time remote for over a year. Obviously, the, the last year has brought a, a big shift in, in how things have been done. And while there's talk of returning to some kind of, you know, some people coming back to the office that were remote, but, um, you know, what was different? Prior, you know, because as you just mentioned, you managed a remote team um, well before COVID. Um, what was different then? Um, you know, what's different now than it was back then? I think the biggest difference is that those skeptical managers have discovered that it actually, your team can still be productive and you can still work. And, but you can also still have that, the spirit of a team and, and that connectivity between each other that it can be done remotely because that was the biggest resistance is people didn't think it could be done. And it does have some advantages that people have discovered. My situation before was I was the only team member in North America. Everyone else was in Europe. So if something had to be done by first thing in the morning for Paris, I had six extra hours that I was working. So a lot of times my team would send something to me to finish up or tidy up knowing that if I sent it back to them at the end of my workday at five o'clock here, it would be waiting for them first thing in the morning. So it gave us more coverage, both geographically and time-wise. But now what people are discovering is your best employee, the best person for the job may not be right around the corner or down the street. You might not have to pay for a relocation. There's good and bad with that. But I, I mean, I think to take the positive angle, I mean, yeah, the, all of a sudden the talent pool is is so much larger and i mean i guess it it does take a lot more understanding on the part of of the managers right so you know you talked you talked a bit about that i mean how does um 
You know, how do you think that's changed as far? I mean, you, you mentioned it briefly here, but you know, how do you, do you think that was um, kind of a forced issue that, that happened? Or do you think this has been something that's growing a little bit over time? Well, I think it's a combination. I think it, it, it definitely was growing and more and more people were getting comfortable with the idea of having remote workers or remote team or virtual. But COVID forced the issue. Even the most skeptical managers, when offices shut down, you have a choice. You either get the work done remotely or you don't get the work done. And I've often found that those who are most skeptical of remote work, the biggest question is, how do I know they're working? Right. How do I know that work? Well, the answer is, do they answer emails? Do they answer to the phone call? Is the work getting done? It's often a mask for what's really a performance issue. And they know that the problem employee will take advantage of a remote situation. But that's why what we the system we had in place prior to COVID required people to main, maintain a, a performance rating of a certain level. The jobs had to be getting done. Telework was seen as a privilege, not a right. Now, what's happened is we've all earned that privilege, or most of us have earned that privilege. And, you know, that's a positive side, but to your point earlier, it's also a negative. It opens up the talent pool, but that also means that you as a potential employee are competing now with a wider swath of people, potentially from around the world, to do your job. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to, to talk about the... Um the the productivity angle and the you know just how do you how do you manage someone um and and understand if they're getting their job done i mean some of that it's you know it's interesting some of that comes down to the the trust issue of you know it's funny when you see someone working at their desk uh, you assume that they're working and not on facebook or playing solitaire or, or whatever and yet you know we've seen some studies have shown for sure that uh productivity has actually increased with some remote workers. I mean, I believe there's, you know, it's not a, it's not a monolithic thing. I think some people are better suited to working remotely. I think some people need to work remotely to, um, to live their best lives. And I think some people actually do better coming into an office and, you know, so it's, it's not a, it's not necessarily a one size fits all, but yeah, it, it is, it has been kind of amusing to me to see that, you know, that, that, that fail safe or, you know, it's, it's kind of a lack of trust, I guess, thing in, in my mind that, okay, well, if I see them working and if they respond to emails timely, then, you know, then they're a good worker, but that other person, they may work all hours of the day throughout, you know, more of an integration with their life or whatever. And they're actually a good worker, but it's harder to see. Do you think that, do you think that like nine to five schedule, do you think that's going to change as, as a result of this? I, I think in some cases it will. My boss and I have talked about it, and the idea is that we would, when we do go back, potentially keep three days a week remote and two days in the office, which is a big shift from one day a week remote. Yeah. But there have been instances, and there you talk about there's some people that work better in isolation, and there's some people that work better with interaction. There's some things that work better in interaction. Brainstorming, very hard to do on Zoom. People tend to talk over each other because there's a lag and so forth, and people tend to get shut down. But then I've also heard people point out that because it's, you know, got, let's say a group of people on a, on a Zoom call, there's the tendency to call upon the person who may look like they want to say something but hasn't spoken up in the meeting. So it allows for other voices to come into the room that 
sometimes, depending on the dynamic of the team in person versus over whatever technology you're using. But the other day, we had a rush deadline on something and we needed something written in something like three hours. And ordinarily, if I were at the um, at the office, it would be very difficult. People coming in, you know, checking on it, walking by, what have you. But here, working from home, I just put on a little jazz, okay, admitting a little process here, and sat down and just banged the thing out. Because there are some things that you do better when you can concentrate in isolation. So I think it's going to have to be more a shift toward what is the best way for both the individuals and the team as a group to accomplish the tasks that are necessary. Uh, so you you talk and and write and, and are an expert in, in corporate social responsibility as as well. Uh, what do you think the pandemic has done to those types of CSR initiatives? And what's the what's the future? You know, has a has a hybrid workplace of in office and, and remote? Like, has that? Do you think that's going to have um, some some impacts on on CSR? Gosh, I hope so, because there are, just as we talk about a commitment to diversity and inclusion, there are different work styles and different personalities that can now be more flexibly accommodated because people have seen it. We've also seen the impact on traffic and air pollution from mostly yeah. traffic but and things like that. So there are benefits that we have obtained and learnings that we've obtained through COVID. But the other thing is we can't make the mistake of making it all about productivity and all about the work and making it overly transactional because there's part of the workplace and part of a healthy team that is the connectivity between people. Those tangential conversations where you run into each other in the kitchen or in the hallway and say, hey, how's it going? How's your son or daughter or whatever doing in college or what have you? And when we get hyper-scheduled, which is what happens with remote, you have meetings and your, your, your Outlook calendar starts to look like the Partridge family bus with all the colored squares, but you don't have time for those just you know, casual conversations. So I've taken to with members of my team just looking on their calendar, seeing the green light and knowing that they're therefore not in a meeting and just calling them. And just as the same thing as if you were walking by someone's office and you saw them look up and you poked your head in and just said, you know, something cheerful, just very short, very brief and maintain that human element. So that's the big thing for corporate responsibility, because we want to be the workplaces where people want to work and can come work and can be fully engaged and bring their best self. And that human element is also part of it. Definitely the the culture, the company culture piece is undoubtedly been affected by, let's call it the, the omnipresence of Zoom. Um, how do you, so, and, and that's, that's a great example of, of how you kind of get around that and, and, and build some personal, uh, personal um, interaction time. How, how might someone uh, roll that out to their team? You know, so in other words, how that, that's a, that's an action that you can take, but what advice would you have for someone that's managing a team? And, you know, you can't force people to call each other and, and do all those things. Like how, how would you approach um, trying to enable that in a, in a company culture? Well, as a manager, what I would do is I would, when I'm talking to the people on my team or even other teams, I would say, 
you know, hey, you know, if you want to reach out to Andrew on this or, or you think Christine might have a good perspective, give them a call or just, you know, see if you find a spot in their calendar and just impromptu, just ask them for their thoughts and opinions. Or if you feel like somebody might be in a conversation, you realize they might be feeling low or, or missing interaction because some people really struggle with not having you know, a team and, and not and, and are alone in, 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 a, in a smaller place and just say, hey, I know that so-and-so seems to be kind of struggling with the isolation. Why don't you give, give them a call and say, hey. So you can encourage it that way, not make it a mandate of you need to call people or yeah. be, do it informally because you're really talking about trying to create the informal. One thing I also do is I tend to wear a collared shirt when I'm working remotely because I never know when my boss or someone else from the company might pop on my computer and say, hey, let's chat. And I don't want to be wearing my favorite, let's say, Van Halen t-shirt, <laughs> right. although although I, I, I'm quite fond of it because it just doesn't give the, especially when we were new in COVID and when I was working remotely and my boss at the time was very uncomfortable with it. I didn't want to give the visual impression that I wasn't working as well. And so there are things you can do. And it, but I think a lot of it comes down to suggestions. You don't need to dictate it. it yeah. If that makes sense, we, it, it's the human element that we're trying to make sure we don't lose. And, and a funny little aside is when I was working remotely, I was actually the only remote member of my team and they were all in Europe. And I came there one time and there was this whole thing that had happened between two members of the team, they'd gotten into a, a, a big disagreement that everyone else was aware of, everyone else had seen and heard, and I was unaware of it. And I, I found myself feeling like fortunate, like, oh, I miss all the bad stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah. But then on the, the flip side of that, there were team birthday parties, happy hours, and things like that, that I also miss. And so to be aware that your remote team members are missing some of that stuff. And it's not just to call them up and gossip about what happened, but also to say, hey, if we're going to do this happy hour, let's see if, you know, I'll use my own name, see if John is available and you know, he'll be on his computer or his phone, but he could he could join us virtually. Yeah, when we talked a little bit before this this interview, you used a term um, transactional that you know, our, our interactions have been become um, much more transactional you know, during and, and as we're hopefully nearing post COVID and, and things like that. And that, you know, that really st stuck with me because it, there, there is this, um, this human element that, you know, if, if everything is just, uh, my calendar is a grid and okay, from this time to this time, I'm, I, I'm interacting with this person or I'm doing this task. It, it does become, it does we start to feel a lot more like we're, we're simply machines or cogs in the wheel and, and everything like that. I mean, do you see, um, I mean, do you see that things returning more to the, to a culture of humanity, you know, over, over time? Um, or is it going to take a lot of intentionality from, from companies to, to kind of make that happen? I don't think it happens by accident. Yeah. I think there has to be intentionality at least the intentionality to let it happen. And like I said, to be informal about it and say, here's how we're going back to this workplace because people have this desire, this, and I, I get it, I feel it too. Let's get back to normal. But 
we could also get back to something that is better than what we had before and remove some of those frustrations so that if I am working on a writing project and writing, I, I do better when I'm on my own. There have been other things that I've written collaboratively with a team and we could, and we, we've passed around a lot of drafts with you know date and time on it because there's so many drafts going around versus just sitting in the room and brainstorming. But how do you find that balance? I think it's going to be up to, to every company and, and also every team. Because the pendulum went from where it was to all the way to forced remote work. And now when it comes back toward whatever the middle is, I see it going back and forth as things evolve over time for people and teams and projects. Because there may be some times when you really need all hands on deck and to physically be on deck and physically be there in person. Right. And I don't think people should then learn to you know, resent that. I mean, I admit it. I don't miss my commute at all. I'm, and there were nice, friendly people on my train, but I don't miss that. And I certainly enjoy the time I can spend with my family or enjoying the fact that when the workday ends, I can get out on my bike and have more hours of daylight. So those are the pluses. But we can't only cling to the pluses of remote and ignore some of the some of the downsides of it too. Like I said, like becoming so transactional that we stop having business relationships and just have um, just the, what can you do, get it done, move on. We don't yeah. take the moment to celebrate the success or those human elements. I found out a colleague of mine was pregnant when in the middle of a Zoom call and she did it on purpose, she stood up. Yeah. And everybody on the call stopped whatever they were doing and we all took a moment to celebrate the fact that she was having was having a child, and we were all very happy for her. But yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you lose if you're just a head and shoulders square. Yeah, and I think to to your earlier point about it's it's kind of a pendulum, and we're you know we we definitely did swing all the way to remote. You know, other other than a handful of industries where that's simply not possible. You know we kind of swung to, you know, all the way to remote. And, and I, I do think, I mean, you know, looking positively, I think we learned a lot about things that we can do, or, you know, even the, the example of, you know, I, at some point I'll do some more of these, but, you know, I, I would have a lot of like coffee meetings and, and all of those types of things that didn't really need or in-person sales meetings or, or things like that, that, you know, sometimes they don't always need to be, you don't need to drive two hours round trip to, um, to do things that can be done on over zoom or there, you know, there's, there's other things like that. And I think to your point about writing, like anything that, that can be done asynchronously, I think we, um, we've learned that we can do that well. And then, yeah, to, to the idea of collaborative brainstorming, Zoom just doesn't cut it for that. Um, you know, try try as as these platforms might to add features and buttons and, and whatever. They're just they're just not. They don't replicate that the same. But you know, I, I believe the technology can can be improved to help that because I, I do think um, we're still going to have remote workers um, regardless. But but yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, to, to one of your points, I, th I think we're we've learned some stuff and now we need to kind of swing back somewhere towards the middle of of, of a, a new reality. And, and hopefully that's a better one for, for everybody. And I'll give one caution. It is very easy for disparities to crop up in a team or in an organization if some of the people are remote and some of the people are not. 
because it becomes very easy to just ask the people who are there in person. And then those people who are remote can either be and worse can feel left out. And so that, that's a big, a big thing to watch out for as well as we figure out as the pendulum swings back and forth. And I'm not saying that the pendulum needs to go and, and, and swing back and be in one place. I think it needs to, we need to be flexible and dynamic about and elastic about how we view these things and how we come back and let it sort of evolve organically and what works for people. I think initially people are going to be over eager to be in person. Yeah. Because we've missed it. Yeah. I think, I mean, particularly certain, you know, the, the more extroverted, I think they've been, you know, chomping at the bit or so to speak to, (laughs) to get back in others, uh, you know, as an introvert, I got to say, I, I, um, enjoyed my first couple months of lockdown just fine but you know even <laughs> even even somebody like me is is ready to get out uh, once in a while at least but um but yeah i mean i think the other the other interesting thing to come out of this also is just the um the ethics or the the equality aspect of you know how do you as a as a manager how do you make a decision that one person can work from home um, more or more often, I mean, back in the day, you know, several years ago, and it wasn't even that long ago, but you know, it used to be, I mean, certain people, they might come in a little bit late and get special exemption or whatever, but that was always like a a bit of a privilege. And, um, I think those that didn't have that, that apply to them, maybe thought it was, it was, uh, you know, it was playing favorites or whatever, like, how do you deal with that now with when someone has legitimate needs or they've seen that they just they're they're gonna they're they need to do certain things or else this this job just doesn't work for them like how how do you handle that uh, that disparity between different types of team members even if they all live locally i think part of it comes down to the job what the role is do they need to be on site to do their role i've had colleagues whose job is to be out in the community and they're attending events and luncheons and so forth and doing the interactions that are essential for their role, but they're not physically in the office. And I don't know what time they start or what time, you know, they might roll in at 10 o'clock, but they might've been at a breakfast meeting since seven thirty, yeah. or, and then had to take, you know, the hour to get across town because so that cuts into their day. So I think we need to, Stop looking at each other and saying, oh, does so-and-so have a privilege or does so-and-so have something that I don't? It's really, am I being fully realized, fully engaged? Is And it gets to the idea of diversity and inclusion. People want to be included differently or need to be. I have a colleague who's got a new a new child. Their, you know, child care schedules are going to have to be accommodated. Is Does that mean everyone should leave when his wife can't work, can't pick up the baby. So he has to leave work early. So everyone gets to leave work early. I mean, that I'm trying to make a point with humor that 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 would be ridiculous, but no one would expect that. And so that as we come back, we're going to have to figure that out as well. But I think favoritism and resentments are a possibility when people have different privileges based on, let's say, performance. When it's a job role, people don't question it. But it's when you've earned it, it's a little trickier. 
Well, uh, one last question before we wrap up. Um, so you've written a book about sustainability and, and write for some of the top publications on the subject. Um, what should the pandemic and our recovery from it teach companies about sustainability? And how can we make some good come from, from everything we've been going through this last year? One of the things I hope that people start to do is really look at the need to listen to the experts, whether they be medical professionals or climate scientists, that we, we've been warned and we knew that disease outbreaks could happen and with globalization that it would be easy for something to transmit around the world. Obviously, COVID is, with all these variants, this thing can really evolve quickly and is finding homes and host communities as, as more of us get vaccinated, it's figuring out not that it's you know scheming, but it, 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 it's just by the nature of it being transmitted, oh, that person's protected, and it ends up in this younger host. And so now we're seeing it shift to the younger people. All of this was predictable. Right. Climate change is predictable. Issues like social justice, we've been talking about them for years, decades. And we're starting to see, and again, I think because we're all at home and the only connection we have necessarily to the outside world is to is to pay attention to some of these things is that hopefully we will all as businesses and individuals pay attention to these things and do more and not just expect someone else to do it. I, I get completely annoyed when I hear people say things like, well, it'll be up to the next generation to cure climate change. Right. Well, my response to that is, okay, so I guess you're retiring since you've just ceded responsibility for it. Right. Um, right. Yeah, we're still here. <laughs> Our retirements and becoming obsolete is going to happen to us fast enough. But while we're here, let us continue to do what we can do, whether it's environmentally, socially, governance, ethically, what have you, to to move the needle forward, whether we can do it incrementally or transformationally, to make this a world where we, we can all live together in peace, harmony, and health. Yeah, that was pretty high end for a, a very simple structured question, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a, a nice way to, to, to wrap things up. Well, John, uh, thanks so much for joining again. Uh, great to have you back on the show and, and always, always love talking with you. Um, for those listening, um, what's the best way to, for them to keep up with what you're doing? I'm at John Friedman on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. If people are interested in the book, you can get it at businessexpertpress.com. And just, uh, and of course, my email is johnfriedmancsr at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank John Friedman, author of Managing Sustainability, First Steps to First Class, and Sustainability Manager at WGL for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.